Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be interviewing Bruce Schoenberg of OasisDaySpaNYC.com, New York's favorite day spa named Best of New York and Best of Westchester. Oasis Day Spa invites you to step away from your busy life to enjoy peace, serenity, and relaxation. Their goal is to provide you with affordable luxury and a beautiful, tranquil environment and to help you develop a healthy lifestyle. We're going to hear how Bruce developed an incredibly healthy business. Bruce, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Seth. Can I hire you to keep doing that for me? <laughs> sure, we can talk about that offline. Absolutely. Okay. So, how did you get? Uh, I know you weren't. How did you get into the spa business? Well, uh, like many things in life, you never end up where you think you're going. I was an event professional and actually a trade show producer, and I was producing a show in Chicago in 95, 96 for Time Warner. For, I used to do their value-added events for their magazine groups. And while I was there, I met this young lady. And uh, I thought, as the joke goes, that she was just going to be my Chicago experience. But she turned out to be, at that time, you know, my life experience for quite a while. And... Uh, when I came back to New York, she was a massage therapist. So when I came back to New York, we kind of did the long distance dating thing. And lo and behold, I ended up asking her to marry me. But she was somewhat hesitant because I was on the road a lot. And I was producing events all over the country. And so I had been doing that for such a long time. I said, it might be nice to get off the road. And I started to look at other businesses. And eventually, believe it or not, I got into the spa industry. And did you take over Oasis Day Spa? Did you buy it from somewhere or did you start from scratch? I started it from scratch. Actually, I was lucky enough to um, get into the business just as the wave was hitting for this as a lifestyle for millennials as well as for uh, most people at that time, I don't think they were calling them millennials, then they were Gen Xers. But it, it became a part of um, people's everyday life, taking care of their health and wellness. So I was in the right place at the right time. All right, I'm sure there's more to it than that. How did you, um, how did you start? How did you find the location? How did you decide on your services? Well, first of all, uh, I don't think there's anybody that's successful out there that doesn't uh, hasn't done their homework and did a lot of research. And I can tell you that I did a tremendous amount of research. I was quite hesitant at first because I had never been in uh, a B2C business before. I'd always been doing B2B. And so retail obviously scared me because I had f some friends that were in it and people, mostly restaurateurs. And I saw the fragility of that. And so um, I started out by 
initially resisting even thinking about going into the business. And I went and visited business brokers to see what else was out there. And in the mid nineties with the internet taking over and the advent of um, how digital has impacted our world, I was blown away by how many printers were actually for sale. And so that made me realize that technology was reshaping businesses. I had already seen it with the internet in the mid nineties, but uh, it kind of scared me off at the time from looking to purchase a business, which would cost a substantial amount of money and having no guarantees. So after three or four months of looking at many different options, I eventually kind of warmed up to the idea of looking at the spa industry. And I started out by actually going to trade shows, which was something I knew. So I went to trade shows that were in, uh, that were being produced for the spa and wellness industry. I visited two or three, spoke to a lot of people, and then believe it or not, I did it the old fashioned way. I went to the New York Public Library on Fifth Avenue and started doing research on how to be a retailing business. So I, I kind of was motivated to be a good student again. And I must have put in 40 or 50 hours of time at the public library reading as much as I could about it. And at the same time, I started going with my future wife to visit day spas. I initially had opened up the yellow pages, which was relevant back then. And I started to look at all the day spas that were in Manhattan at the time. There were like 56. That's what I remember. 56 day spas. And I remember turning to my ex-wife saying, why do they need 57 <laughs> if there's 56 already? And what we ended up doing is going to visit many of the spas to see the entire range of businesses that were out there from what you would call low end to high end. And after all of the research that went on, I realized that this could be a viable business. I was reading more and more about how it was becoming a part of the lifestyle. So then I sat down and started working on a business plan. And I had already obviously gathered a lot of information in my research. And as I started to sit down and do all of the financial planning and um, taking a look at what would be the right viable area for a spa in Manhattan. Everything started to slowly fall into place and you know, a little luck along the way helped. And eventually I decided to self-finance. I borrowed a little bit of money from my family, but about 80% of the initial startup costs were out of my pocket. And I opened up in the beginning of 1998. And after about six months, the thing just took off. A couple of great reviews using PR. And the rest is history, so to speak. That is absolutely incredible. I'm sure the longer version of that story could, if it hasn't already, and probably should fill a book. What are some of the biggest, after you opened and got those great reviews, um, how did you grow? How did you scale? How did you manage that process? Well, initially, of course, you never are that arrogant to think that you're going to grow your business into something that's a giant. You dream it. You, you hope for it. And I had, uh, 
you know, hopes that we could build the business because uh, I also realized that I got married late in life at 40 that I didn't want to work. I didn't want to live to work. I would rather work to live. And I would recommend that to everyone. <laughs> but it's not that easy as we know. So uh, initially, I looked at a lot of different factors. One of the things that I took from our industry, from the event industry and from the trade show industry that was a huge asset to me is I ran focus groups before we even opened up. As part of the whole research uh, components, I ran three different focus groups, two of them with consumers and one with people that worked in the industry. And that gave me tremendous insight into what other businesses in that field were not, not doing right according to people that worked in it and where the pitfalls were. And I also had the opportunity to listen to the consumer to find out what was really important to them to create them into a loyal customer. Because obviously any retail business lives in and dies on repeat. So that became, uh, I would say, probably the uh, most important factors in the success of the business initially. And so when it, it became scaling, only happened because we were so busy that we needed to open up another location. You know, you try to keep, you know, the old KISS philosophy, you want to try to keep it as simple as possible. And uh, I, I opened up the subsequent locations. We at one time had four locations operating and uh, I opened them up because of demand. That is absolutely incredible. What type of marketing and advertising did you do to promote the business? Because obviously it's not enough to just hang up a shingle and wasn't when it certainly isn't now, wasn't what you, when you started. How did you get the word out to get the demand to that point? You know, well, what I studied in college, what I, I first, you know, what really interested me when I, I remember taking, a, I took as a, as a freshman in my second semester, I took a marketing class and I was fortunate. I had a great professor and, you know, he walked out of that class saying, wow, that's what I want to do. That that's, looks like fun. It looks interesting. And so that eventually led me into the event and trade show world. But as we all know, all the professionals, it's a, 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 always an evolving business in terms of how you reach people. It's so how the, still, no matter what, the most important driver of business is word of mouth. I mean, that will always be for any business, the most important factor in bringing in new clients. And in New York City, which is different than a lot of other uh, places to own a business, because New York City is, is unlike a bedroom community or a small city where there isn't the type of turnover that you will have in other suburban markets where if, if you don't do a good job, the word gets out, you're doomed. In New York City, you constantly have to re renew your customer base because people come and go so often in New York City. They live there for a little bit. They have the you know, young people want to move into the city. Retirees want to move into the city, but it, it's a, an expensive place to live. 
And on top of that, there are many, many options for the consumer, as opposed to going into a small town, which may only have one or two at most of any type of a retail business. I'm not talking about restaurants, right. a dry cleaner, a bakery, a nail salon, etc. And so in New York City, um, I followed the, the, you know, the game plan and, and, and the book, so to speak, of what was relevant at the time, which was a lot of print advertising, was direct mail. Um, but a lot of it was, of course, PR. And so I had a publicist and I made sure that I got in the editors and exposed them to the business. And I bought some mailing lists, but uh, a big part of it also was uh, I had myself personally a following of a lot of people that could be my vine, so to speak, my word of mouth. And so I leaned heavily upon that. People that had worked with me in the past knew that I always put out a quality product. And I was a go-to person. Um, you know, one of my favorite sayings to my small staff when I had the event company was when a customer called up and asked if we could do it, the answer was, of course we can. We always can do it. And so I had a can-do attitude and would never... I can count on one hand the times I, in 20 plus years that I let down a client. And of course it wasn't because I didn't try. And so uh, when you build up that sort of credibility, uh, when the rare time it did happen, my clients would always give me the benefit of the doubt. And so when I opened up this business, besides following the, you know, the textbook of how to do things in terms of advertising and marketing, uh, I leaned heavily on my network, and uh, it certainly was, uh, I would say, one of the most important factors to us getting up to speed as quickly as we did. That makes sense. What are some of the challenges you've overcome, and more importantly, what did you learn from them? Well, I, I think probably, and I knew this from being in the event industry, and all of us in the event industry know this, that... Uh, a small team that is really cohesive and well-prepared can be an army of many. Uh, there is uh, certainly, uh, when you have an efficient group of people, uh, you can really do a lot. And so I think probably, without a doubt, I knew that customer service was going to be the linchpin this business. I knew that in order for us to develop the reputation that we needed, I needed, I, I needed, Oasis Day Spa needed to have a great staff, not a good staff, a great staff of people. So the hardest part uh, and the biggest learning curve I had early on was in hiring the right people for this industry, which is a little different than the event industry where people are a little more anally retentive and a little more wired up. This is a business that you need people that have a, a, a little more of a mellow personality. And uh, so I spent a lot of time early on interviewing people and that was really the biggest learning curve I had in, in hiring the right people. 
And how do you, speaking of that, how do you attract and retain great talent? Well, attracting great talent now is different than when I started because now people want to work for us. They come to us, they want to work for us. And so we have the luxury, so to speak, of being able to interview people and be very picayune as to who makes the cut. Um, early on, I was, I'm not a massage therapist nor an esthetician. And uh, while I used to get massages every now and then, um, I wasn't a professional I could ascertain skill level. Fortunately, my uh, wife was at the time, she was able to know a good massage. I hired on a recommendation of a, a friend of mine, I hired away from a pretty well-known uh, spa in New York, one of their top estheticians. You know, he had to pay a little extra, but that's part of getting the business off the ground correctly. And I brought the proper professionals around me to complement my skill sets, which were operations and marketing. And so um, operations and marketing I was what I focused on and I hired the right people to support me. Um, and so that's what I worked on in the beginning to make sure I had the right staffing. Now, of course, after almost 20 years in the business, uh, you know, I would, I would, and rightfully say I'm, I'm one of the experts in the industry. Now. Absolutely. You've certainly earned your stripes. What do you like best about your business? Well, I'm a people person. I love working with people. I love, I'm a team builder. I mean, the satisfaction that I used to get from the linear element of running a, an event or a show, you know, the beginning of a show till the close of a show, um, you, uh, it was very easy for us to know whether or not we had a successful show or not. We knew even before the show opened, we had a very, you know, we had a lot of indications as to whether we were going to have a good show or not, or a good event or not. Of course, there were certain factors that are out of your control, and those you have to prepare for, and you also have to be able to roll with the punches when they occur. But like in the business now, I can't control the weather. I can tell you this, we were building out our second spa at One Park Avenue, I had signed the lease for that location August 5th, 2001, five weeks before 9-11. And so that morning, we had an architectural meeting, one of the final meetings. We had already were three meetings into how we were going to start. Construction was supposed to start September 15th so that we would be open before Christmas. We had an eight week build out, eight to 10 weeks. And so we wanted to be open before Thanksgiving. And of course, everything changed on 9-11. We eventually got open, but I can tell you that that was some, one of those factors that are out of your control. Yeah, there's nothing, I mean, there's no way to know. Yeah, absolutely. And, the, and our newest location, which is not so new anymore, um, which is the Westchester location, which is one best of Westchester eight years in a row. Um, we signed the lease for that location 
on March 30th, 2008, rough, roughly <laughs> two months before the world went on fire, you know? <laughs> uh, Bear Stearns went out of business the middle of June. Yep. And Lehman Brothers Lehman went Brothers was gone yeah. in September. And, you lost a ton of potential business. Right, and Bruce didn't get, I don't think Bruce slept much for those next six months. And I can't fact, even imagine. It's fine. I opened a business October 27th, 2007. So, but right, it was so not a spa. I was actually in financial services, so it was worse. Um, but I feel your pain. Yeah, I mean, and, and not just me. You realize in a business like ours, where people do come to escape, you saw the pain that people were going through. You know, I remember the first time that when we first started the business and people ask me what I really do, I'm, I'm really set. I'm the chief cook and bottle washer. So whatever it takes to run your small business, a successful entrepreneur will do. And that's what I would certainly encourage anybody that's listening, that's starting a new business. You have to roll up your sleeves and do whatever it takes. So when we first started the business in 1998, I was the receptionist. In fact, the first day we, we opened up, the reception desk wasn't done yet. It was, we, it was supposed to be delivered and it wasn't. So I had my grandmother's little card table as the reception desk. It was at the same time, as embarrassed as I was, I'm sorry I threw that table out. Oh, <laughs> man. I got that is an, it's a, it is a, an archived item, really. And so um, I, I think back to the factors that go into making a successful business and, and the things that are out of your control and the things that are within your control. And I remember the first time a woman was checking out and I, you know, I asked her, so how was your massage? And she burst into tears and I was just completely flipped out as to like, what's are you okay? What happened in there? She goes, no, it was great. I'm having an emotional release. Oh, wow. And of course, I'm like, all right, this lady's crazy. And I go home and I, I said to my wife, I said, this is what happened to me. She goes, you don't realize so many people, the power of touch. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people that don't have that. They don't have whatever it is they're working through on that massage table. They truly are therapists. They help people deal with issues. And this woman expressed whatever she was going through by releasing it at the moment I asked her how everything was. So I have a, a completely, over the uh, almost 20 years in this business, I have such respect for the people that work within the business. And I have such uh, respect of the awesome power that the services that we provide people, what a healing, you know, force it can be. That is absolutely incredible. What do you want to share that I didn't think to ask you? Well, I would say, and we're, and basically, I, I'm, I don't want to uh, ever assume anything, but I, I'm figuring a lot of the people here are trying to either start a business or grow or, one or, or, or have just started one. Your, your business plan is a living document. 
And that's the one thing I can tell you, even after 20 years, I know it works here, but I'm constantly tweaking it. And most importantly, I'm speaking to my staff because, you know, they're the infantry on the ground. And I'm getting feedback from them on what I should, you know, how is, how's this working? How is that working? What I want them to feel invested in the business that it is not just, you know, I'm the owner and yes, I'm the general, but they're the army. And um, I need them to know. I use a lot of analogies, sports analogies, whatever teamwork analogies that I used when I was in the event industry. Because, like I said, 10 people can put on a trade show at the Javits Center that's, you know, 500,000 square feet if you got the right 10 people. So that's kind of how I uh, try to implement the mentality here that the staff has to be vested in the business. Whether the hiring that your people do, that the people that are listening to this, the hires that you make are so critical that you should be making them feel valued and a part of the decision-making process. Even if you don't take their advice, I mean, and you don't follow through on the actions that they do, the fact that they're being heard and making them know that their opinions are valued and to make sure that your business plan evolves because the industry is going to evolve. All the businesses that you, your customers are going to evolve. And so you have to be nimble enough to be able to evolve with them. The other big thing I would say is make sure that you have your rainy day fund. I have a, uh, of course, uh, every year I put aside money for, I don't know what that may come up, but you need to make sure that you have uh, taken into consideration whatever your cash flow is, that it's going, it could potentially, you know, change dramatically from factors outside of your control. And, and that's why I survived, you know, when, when we spoke here about how the economy really tanked and my industry was heavily impacted by it. Um, you know, I made sure that we did everything we could to survive. Now, one of the things that I still do for your listeners' knowledge is we are the largest pop-up spa company in the country. And what does that mean? We take Oasis Day Spa into events I still, I am the resident chair massage company at the Javits Center. I work at eight other convention centers around the country. I hire all local people. We go into corporations, we do private parties. So we're still doing events. Every week we're doing events, whether it be outside of the spa or inside the spa. All of our locations have event space and we're able to host corporate events, private events. And so we become one of the go-to spas in New York City for the agencies, whether it be a uh, ad agency or a marketing agency, they will do many of their editor events at Oasis Day Spa. Awesome. Incredible story. Awesome interview. Greatly appreciate your incredibly valued time. This has been uh, Seth Green here with uh, Bruce Schoenberg of OasisDaySpotNYC.com. Bruce, thank you so much for joining us. Seth, thanks for having me on your show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. 
Thanks so much for listening to this special productivity series of the Direct Response Marketing Podcast. I've interviewed hundreds of the most successful entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and CEOs all over the world, and I want to share with you one of the biggest ways I've discovered to triple your productivity that I've learned from these amazing people. Even better, I'll pay you $500 to test drive it. Just go to take the 500 challenge.com that's www.takethe500challenge.com to learn more thanks so much for listening this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business podcasts visit c-suiteradio.com